You are listening to the Gear 30 Podcast, a community, you could even call it a support group, for people addicted to outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. There is no shame here. In spite of what your spouse or partner may say, we believe it's okay to own five tents, seven backpacks, and 18 jackets. Our slogan, inspired by the great explorer Sir Ranolf Fiennes, is, there is no such thing as bad weather, only inappropriate gear. So if you're an aspiring outdoor adventurer, a mountain guide, or anyone in between, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Gear 30 Podcast, where we talk about outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. Brandon, Chase, and I today, we are talking about... should mention your name is Greg. Oh, yes. I'm Greg. (laughs) I'm I'm Greg. The Greg. I mean, everybody already knows that I am Greg. (laughs) Obviously. Greg Reynolds, of course. When when people... When anyway, okay. Yeah. All moving right. on. Great. Yep. <laughs> moving on. So we're talking about backcountry ski gear today. Woo woo! Because we are excited. It's, it's favorite. It's a rainy summer day in in uh, Ogden, Utah, which is why we're thinking about snow. It, technically, it is summer for like another couple weeks. Eleven days. Yeah. Hey, it snowed in the Uintas this morning. Wow. It is September tenth. Did. Yeah. So we're taking my kids. My wife and I are. And our kids are going backpacking this weekend in the Uinas, right where it just dropped a few inches of snow. So yeah, it'll melt. See how that goes. Yeah, sure. yeah. I think it. Yeah. I think it should. It's supposed to be cooler. Right. Um, but I don't think it's supposed to be snowy this weekend. So, but anyway, we're switching our brains over into because it's September, so it's time yeah. to start thinking. Backcountry ski gear. Okay, so second July is over. It's time to think about skiing. Can you? P- so I have a split board, yeah. and that's a different story. So are we sticking skis or split boards, or what are you thinking? Well, you can talk split boards if you want, and the seven people listening to this <laughs> will care about that. For the other thousands of people that hear wow. this. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm just kidding. Fired. All right. As a snowboarder who doesn't have to care about this at all, <laughs> I'm just curious, if, can you backcountry ski on any ski? Do you have to buy a backcountry specific ski? No, you no. can you can ski on any ski. But much. does it suck? Uh, it can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can. <laughs> well, like I mean, so what's the difference? A backcountry ski, without diving too deep into it, is going to be lighter weight. Um, they say I think it's they say a pound on your foot is equivalent of three pounds on your back. Uh, I've I've or always said six or seven. Six I read or seven. I read in a book one time it was seven pounds, and I I don't know how accurate that is. So let's seven sounds better. So a, foot, a pound on your foot is seven pounds on your back. If you can shave that weight, you're you're hiking up a mountain, backcountry skiing. You're not just going downhill. You need better hip flexors. That's you, what you need. Yep. Yeah. Heavy. So ankle weights. Ankle and weights flexors. in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. I, that's like one of the biggest things with backcountry skis is they're lighter weight. Now um, you're gonna see. So how much performance compound. loss is there with a lighter weight backcountry ski? Um, I I would say maybe in years past there's been more, but I think more companies now, Volet, for example, um, has been able to create a lightweight ski that still charges really hard. Um, a lot of companies out there have kind of accomplished both now, and there's not a lot of compromise anymore. 
Greg's been backcountry skiing for a lot longer than I have. I don't. Maybe he can speak to more of. Do the you still have those uh, Huskerons? No, I the Huskeron. Yeah. yeah. No, I sold those. Oh, those okay. were awesome, though. They were yeah. like one fifteen underfoot and light, super super lightweight. I really like those, but I I sold them after. Um, I I had them for three years. The first year I used them almost exclusively because I liked them so much. The second year I got a pair of Chowoyus, which mm-hmm. are also Dinafit, and um, I ended up using those because they were so light, like. The Waskrons were light for their size, but the Chowoyu was like half the weight. And most of the time, they were plenty of ski. And so uh, I used those probably 70% of the time, and then 30% of the time I used the Waskron. And then the third year, second year I had the Chowoyu's, third year at the Waskron, Um I didn't use the Waskron once. So I should mention, too, that those listening who are maybe not familiar at all with backcountry skiing, you're a resort skier, there's a very lightweight version of backcountry skiing called ski mountaineering or ski mo and uh which is i mean you're looking at stuff that is is darn near skate skiing type right lightweight stuff um that you're and that's a different sport right this is we're talking today more about just hiking in the backcountry to find a good line to ski back down right yeah yeah like competitive ski mo is something that's a whole ask. animal i mean yeah. you're talking like which three we should do an episode on that but yeah sure yeah we uh i mean you're talking like three thousand dollar carbon boots that and weigh about as much as a trail runner i tell you what there's there's a team in park city and their kids and they're they are awesome unbelievable awesome. how good those kids are yeah but as far as like just getting out in the backcountry if you've got an extra pair of skis and you want to go ski tour what are the options to like throw bindings on Oh, you can totally take your frame bindings off and throw a, a Alpine Touring AT binding on there. Um, if you're just trying to get on, into it, it doesn't make sense to spend a ton of money on a lightweight ski if you don't know if it's something you want to get into. And what so. are the different types of bindings? Because there's like the... Well, you have, you have like a frame binding, which is like a, a typical frame binding, what you see on a resort. Um, you have uh, like a frame touring binding, which looks like a frame binding but it releases in the hill so you can go uphill with your skins on. You have um, telebindings that telebindings you can, they have releasable telebindings as well so you can ski with. And they have alpine touring bindings, um, which are also known as pin bindings, um, lighter weight. Or tech bindings. Or tech bindings, yeah. Yeah, so the, I guess, so for years and years and years, I skied on a, Fritchie free ride binding <clears throat> and that was the that was the standard for a binding that could be skied at a resort plenty but you could still tour on and then I could use an alpine boot in and so that was my and I did a lot of backcountry skiing still uh, well not a not nearly as much as I do now but I still tried to do a bit of backcountry skiing I'd never used a tech binding before um, and I just thought I thought it was great. I thought the fact that I could go backcountry skiing on that was great. And then the first year I used a tech binding, it blew my mind. So <laughs> really? I went from a the Fritchie Free Ride to a Dinafit Speed Radical, which was uh, weight savings of about three pounds, probably. Twenty-one pounds on your back. Right, right. <laughs> I went from my Nordica Alpine boot to a um, Dinafit T 
TLT5. It was like the first year the TLT5 came out. Uh, was that my first one? Yeah, TLT5 I think was my first dedicated backcountry boot. Um, and that was, so that was probably 12, 10 years, uh, how long ago is that? Seven, eight years ago? Something like that. So I'd been, I'd been skiing for 10 years in the backcountry on an alpine boot in those Fritchie free rides. Um, so I switched the binding, switched the boots, and I put, put them on a lightweight ski. So I had probably saved, if I were to guess, probably at least 12 pounds of weight per foot. I can't even do the math. 12 times seven. What's the math? Right. That's like a, yeah, and, an extra person. Right. Yeah. And, and the difference was I could do twice the vertical in the same amount of time. Yeah with just the gear and the performance on the down was what about the same wow so definitely i gave up a little bit of performance in the boot because i went to a much less stiff boot i had a like a 120 to 130 flex boot for my alpine ski Um, and then i went to that tlt5 with the stiffest tongue in it was probably like a 110 flex maybe um, but I definitely gave up a little bit of performance in the boot. And it was a shorter boot, didn't come up as high on the ankle, so I wasn't wasn't real fun to like drop cliffs and go off big jumps and stuff. So gave up a little bit there. But as far as like powder skiing and the stuff that I was I was mostly doing anyway, there wasn't really much of a performance difference but, on the um, downhill. So cost is like considerable, right? Right. Yeah, it's expensive, and I would say that if you're looking for a quality setup for if you're buying everything new for a quality setup, you're not gonna. It's gonna be probably at least full price anyway. It's gonna be probably at least two thousand dollars. That includes skis, boots, bindings, skis, boots, bindings, skins, and if you already have the beacon and all the avi stuff, then that's great. But if you don't, then you're adding another few hundred dollars on for that at least. That's crazy. So yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. But how many people out there go drop $3,500 on a mountain bike? Only crazy people. Shay. Right. <laughs> and that or is fairly conservative. Right. That's conservative. Oh, totally. yeah. Right. And how much does a season pass cost? Right. Right. Some of these passes are Grand $1,500. Plus. Yeah. Um, if you buy a full-on setup, and that's top-of-the-line brand-new gear. Right. Two to three grand. You don't need to spend that much, but if you do two seasons in the backcountry, you've already paid that in a season pass and you have all brand new equipment. Right. So it's, it's really not terrible as far as pricing goes. I still have those same TLT five boots to this day. Yeah. They're hammered. Yeah. I've put a lot of days and a lot of miles on those, but I still use them. Um, I now have also the, uh, Dinafit Hoji boots, the PBX version, not the pro, but the step down from that. And that's my boot of choice now. But I still, for, for spring ski mountaineering or for if I'm doing a tour where it's mostly hiking and it's not technical skiing or whatever, I still use those TLT5s quite a bit. So that's that's six years, probably probably 300 days of skiing or something on those boots, and they're still, still working out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, had I... Had I bought a season pass i would have spent at least six thousand dollars in that time so do you do you have unique poles 
I use my normal ski poles that I'd use at a resort, but a lot of people like adjustable poles. I you know should sp- demo my uh, black diamond carbons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brandon has a pair of $350 uh, Helio, the Helio carbon. Because yep, I'm going to start skiing again. <laughs> It's been since junior high, but I'm on it. How did you? I won them. I feel really bad. (laughs) Obviously not bad. But I won them. Yeah, it was it was one of the snow basin uphill things, you know. Uh And I and if you show up or pay pay your money, then you get a raffle ticket, and they're like, I won them fair and square. Right. I I mean, I don't. I didn't stack the deck or anything, but I don't ski. And I'm also, you know, work in a gear shop, but we don't, who sells Black Diamond, we don't carry that stuff because nobody buys freaking 300 and something dollar carbon poles. Right. I have some. Those yes. things are and sweet, though. <laughs> they are so cool. I'm going to tour so fast when I start ski touring. Well, oh, so, yeah. but splitboarding, you take poles because you need poles for the hike up. Yeah. But you like some that collapse, I assume, so you can throw them on your pack on the way down? Yeah, or, do you, uh, okay, or do you hold so, them in your hand? Good question. Um, different techniques for different people. You could even use them like semi-collapsed because often in the backcountry, it's not as friendly as a resort where you're, it's all downhill all the time. And so you can find a go, find yourself in a goalie and you're like, oh my gosh, if I just had a little, if I just pushed a little on my board, I can get out or whatever. So, um, but yeah, you know, like the only bad thing I don't like, I get nervous and I don't know if you get nervous about putting ski poles on your backpack and you're, I'm worried like if I take a wrong fall, the sharp end of the ski poles are gonna, so I tend to carry them in, okay. in a left hand. I'll just hold on to them as I go down, it's mm-hmm. collapsed. Yeah, and then if you go down, like tumble down, you just tumble down. I I hold on to them unless like it's I haven't had a serious enough fall yet where I'm like okay, yeah, lose the yeah. poles, <laughs> Sprace yourself, <laughs> save yourself, not the poles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, unless, unless it's your yet. Helios, then for crying out loud, break a leg, but saving those save poles. The poles. <laughs> yeah. Save the poles. Do not bend the poles. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's a little weird, but let's hold on to them, I guess. So snowboarding, splitboarding, and there's um, you know you can put you can do that in tech bindings now. This, uh, Phantom splitboards have now they now have a website that you can go on, and they specialize in like the tech setups. Um, but it, but until recently, you've had to fashion your own, and yeah. there's people in this town who have come in and. Done some cool stuff. Doing some fun stuff with their yeah. own boards and bindings and boots. And you really had to. Talking about you, Joe. Yeah, Joe, listening. Make, you <laughs> had to make it up. Like you had to figure it out. But now there's companies out there that are doing that for you. And they're selling all the DiniFit type pin binding stuff. So you can snowboard on your Alpine boots and tour. But otherwise, like I just tore in my snowboard boots, which everybody knows they're not light. They're snowboard boots. And so. Um, and so when I go with my friends like Chase, who I question our friendship because he's leaves me so far behind that I can't even see his headlamp. Like when he turns around and looks, he's like, is that Brandon? I don't know what you're talking know. about. I don't, know. I don't know if that's Brandon or not. Um, because the split borders cannot keep up with a fast, a lighter weight Alpine setup. It's yeah. really, it's really difficult. Um, at least I can't. Maybe Joe can. Joe's pretty pretty Joe's impressive wicked fast yeah. yeah he's pretty impressive uh but you know most slow snowboarders splitboarders are a little slower and the transitions are much slower most again joe's the exception but yeah it, 
yeah. we're getting better. Getting better at that. So I haven't geeked out on splitboard gear in quite a few years because I don't splitboard. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of curious about the, what did you say? Phantom snowboards. So there's, yeah. And I'll pull up the, the website right now, but, uh, oops, that's, I just spelled that wrong. Um, and there's multiple brand like Volet still to go to as far as splitboard setups. If you're just looking for a good splitty setup, go to Volet is the best way to go. We've sold Caracorum here in the past. It's, I currently own Caracorum. Uh, it's great on, great on paper. Maybe not as great in the field. It's, uh, it's just okay. Um, You're not the first person I've heard say that either. Yeah. It, and in theory, it's it's awesome. Great system. But when you add ice and other things that commonly happen in the winter, maybe not the, the slickest system. Yeah, it's, it gets a little tricky. You have to mount. If you mount it just right, you do a really good job. and take. I mean, but it's like it's so finicky. And some people love it still. I, I'm, I'm looking for a... Something I'm looking for something else. Friendly. Yeah, system. yeah. Um, I started on with volets, and I, I'm like, man, I really, it's such a simple uh, go-to system that it's like you can't really go wrong. Uh, I'm trying to. Did you find those? Yeah, it's a yeah. phantomsnow.com. So those look pretty sweet. Made in Colorado. Uh, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Kind of. Um, so. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Phantom Slipboard Bindings, and they just launched uh, or updated their website or whatever, um, like they, a web store. But they almost look a little bit Karakorum-esque. Yeah. In that there's a it's lot It's like of, an improvement upon it. But it, there's just like a lot of little metal pieces that I could see getting iced up. Born in 2012, Phantom Slipboard, and we don't sell Phantom Slipboard Bindings. You have to go to their site. Phantom Slipboard Bindings are the first splitboard bindings designed around lightweight alpine touring like AT ski boots. While the term hard booting is often used to describe the setup, Phantoms are designed to flex ride and feel like a tr- traditional snowboard bindings and perform as well in deep pow conditions as they do during the spring snowboard mountaineering season. Um, it's a split tech system which combines the best textile touring equipment with the patented splitboard binding and interface in tour mode. This equates to greater efficiency Reduce swing weight, confidence when side healing and kick steps, and a more secure method for attaching boot crampons. In ride mode, you can expect a reliable, consistent fit and a powerful connection to the board. So if you're looking for a lightweight setup, um, you can fashion your own. You can buy. They they are, like you can see on their site, they sell like um, DinaFit type, a DinaFit system yeah. um, integrated. So you can buy it separately if you'd like. Or you can get some ideas here from Phantom Silver Bindings and kind of go at it yourself. Yeah, those or, are those yeah. are pretty cool. Actually, the more I'm like studying this design, it, I could see it would be pretty reliable. I would think, um, but you have to use a hard boot for it. It looks like, right? Yeah, I believe so. I don't. Yeah. I don't think they have yeah. just a. Yeah, that's what it's designed around. Right. So I know my our friend Joe that we keep referencing. He's he's been on a hard boot for the last few years, and he he definitely prefers that for touring efficiency, especially. And yeah, um, maybe you give up a slight bit of comfort on the downhill compared to your traditional stuff, but um, but yeah, the uphill is so much more efficient, and you you can um, traverse side hills better. You get better grip on your edges and stuff from. I love snowboarding so much that I don't know if I could go to a hard boot yeah. 
setup. I feel like that's the reason you snowboard is because the boots are way more comfortable. <laughs> right. Do you know I <laughs> yeah, bought... Um, going to wear uncomfortable boots, origi- might as well ski. Right? That's what I yeah. toured in on my Epic on a previous episode was I bought a pair of hard boots to tour in in a more traditional setup, but I, I paid for... They were the original... They're mountaineering boots. Uh-huh. What are those? Oh, I wore oh, them on the, that ice climbing trip. Yeah, what the, are those? Uh, they're Scarpa. Scarpa. Invernos. Um, Invernos, yeah. Um, to tour in. Because uh, I was going to go that hard boot setup. That was a long time ago. Um, and I'd, I'm like, no. <laughs> eh. Yeah. I like the comfort. Right. I like the feel. I like everything about just traditional snowboarding. And so I'm not in... I'm not in any hurry to try a hard boot setup on, yeah. on a splitty, but. but they have some good. Now this has turned into like a splitboard focused to- topic, really. But we'll have to uh, remedy that on the next one. We'll have to keep it skis. <laughs> but anyway, um, there are some good, uh, good splitboard binding systems now that still allow you to use traditional snowboard boots. Like Spark R and D has yeah. some really good stuff, and Volley, of course, has some great stuff. So it's not like you have to go hard boot in order to oh no, have no, some of the I'm benefits. Just, hard boot, in fact, is just a new, newer, newer. Thing. Yeah, it's becoming more popular. Yeah, if you really want to, like you said, be efficient on the ups and and really want to skin fast to keep up with your friends who are, are fast AT skiers or whatever, you want to go lightweight. You can do that now and be a snowboarder. Yeah, there's that option is out there. If you want to be as close to skiing as you can get, but not ski. Stop but it. still be, Stop but still it be right a now. snowboarder. <laughs> That's so true, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm in full AT ski gear, but I have a snowboard. <laughs> I'm totally splitting we, right now. We understand. It's okay. It's mm-hmm. lifestyle, dude. Once you go, never mind. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we will have many more um, discussions on backcountry skiing gear because it it is getting into that season, and that's something that all three of us are quite passionate about. So. Um, so I apologize in advance. You're going to hear a lot of this type of stuff going forward, but, um, we'll, we'll talk about a lot of other things as well. Anyway, thanks for joining us today on the, um, podcast. Well, let me, let me, uh, let me just ask one more question. Well, how are we on time? We're over. Okay. Cool. Save Shoot it. away. Save it for, well, okay. So I'm just curious, Chase, what, um, what one piece of backcountry gear are you most excited about for this year? Um, new new piece new to you new to the industry whatever um who pick one that's a you're telling you're telling a ski gear junkie to pick one piece of gear uh-huh. um personally and i'm biased here i'm excited about the icelandic natural ski uh-huh. um i demoed you it last would. year <laughs> i know i know demoed it last year tons of fun um, but outside of that, both Scarpa, Scarpa's expanded their Mistrali line and Dina Fitz expanded their Hoji line, which those are probably my two favorite boots on the market. Uh-huh. So I'm excited to see some different options and open up the price point for other buyers who don't want to spend 900 bucks on a carbon Hoji Pro, have another price point option or um, same with Mistrali. I'm excited to, to see the, the new boots come out. Cool. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I just got the Hojis last year, and it was really fun to be on a boot that toured just about as nice as my, nicely as my TLT5s, but that I could charge on on the downhill. I felt like I wasn't held back much at all 
as far as how aggressive I could ski with that boot. So I was pretty thrilled about that. I did sell my Cho-Oyu's though, skis, uh, last year and I need to replace them this year. So I'm trying to decide what, uh, what ski to go with. I want something that's light, but that I can, I don't feel like I'm kind of limited on performance on. So we'll need to discuss that on a future episode. You can yes. get me, get me set up with the right thing, Chase. Sounds so. good. All right. Thanks for joining us for the podcast today. Um, follow us on, on Instagram at gear underscore three zero. Like us on Facebook, uh, subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it. And if you really enjoyed it, leave us a review. Five star only. <laughs> um, cause that allows us to reach more people that helps people find us and helps us find them. And, um, and then also go to our website, gear 30 doc. Sorry, gear30.com. <laughs> Gear30 spelled out G E A R T H I R T Y.com. And check out our deals of the week and see what new uh, winter gear that we're getting in. So, uh, thanks, and we'll see you on the next episode. See you out there.